Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing this week, mate? Going well, John. Going very well. How about you? I am also going well. And I mean, one of the things that's interesting to me at this time of year is the draw. Um, and we're going to focus on the draw this episode. But um, before we get into that, um, I think you got a message for us. Yeah, look, just the same as, uh, as we're going to do from every podcast here on in. Um, before we get into it, we're... Just wanting to acknowledge our um, podcast partners in Beyond Blue. Um, if you're feeling low um, or down or need to talk to someone or anxious, please reach out and um, please reach out to the people at Beyond Blue. Their number is 1300 224 636 or you can go on their website um, where they've got an interactive uh, website there at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support in one word um, and that's a really good online system for those people who um, who probably don't feel comfortable talking about so um, yeah a good good cause and um, I know we've managed to um, I've had a few friends of mine um, contact me this week and, and say that you know they're glad to hear we're supporting a, a great organization so it's positive to get some feedback like that yeah uh, and I mean as we say just just reach out. That's the most important thing is that you start talking at the, the first part. I mean, no, not comparing the two, but the first time you do anything is the hardest time. Um, yeah. The first podcast you record, I mean, we started recording video this week, the first video you record. The first time you do anything like that is the hardest and you just have to start and it's going to take some courage, but we do recommend you do it. And if not, jump on and, and donate to Beyond Blue. They're a great organization and they can use your support. Yep. Um, so as we were saying, the draw, I mean, it's one of the interesting things for me because at the start of the year, you see a lot of teams matched up against teams around the same area of the ladder as them. Um, you got your St. Kilda's playing Gold Coast, Gold Coast Carlton, yeah. um, a couple of the bottom teams sort of playing off with one another. And same, similar with the top teams, Collingwood's already played Richmond, West Coast, I think we've got the D's in a couple of weeks and we've got Essendon this weekend who are expected to be up there. So yep. the AFL does their best to um, to make the start of the season at least harder to predict because there's less uh, predictable games. But it's just that um, the way that the AFL draw works as a whole is quite interesting. So um, obviously it's not a even draw because you play 17 games against... Uh, everyone else in the competition and you play five games against a select few uh, which means that you never have a perfectly balanced season with one clear winner yeah look and I think just before jumping into it I reflect on where it's come from I guess Um, originally the 22 round draw was driven by 12 VFL teams so each team playing each other once at home and once away back in the old VFL days and then as we we, um, we moved into the AFL era and, and added more and more teams. Um, we kept the 22 round um, and accepted, you know, there was a few years there, I think, before Frio came in, we had the bye. Or maybe it was before Port Adelaide, we had a bye. Um, same thing with Gold Coast and before um, GWS came in, we had the year with the bye. You know, we've, we've had to accept and modify and then gradually over the years as we've gone from 12 to 18 teams now, we haven't increased the length of the season or, or to the same effect, decreased it to match uh, a single play. So, I mean, we look at we look at soccer and, and, um, and even basketball overseas where, 
you know, yes, they're probably not as physically demanding games as AFL. Um, I know soccer is physically demanding, but, you know... The... Uh, all, all of those sports are physically demanding. But... It's just not... You're playing for less time and there's not as much physical contact as yeah. there in, in an AFL. It takes yeah. longer to recover from. And that's, the, and that's the thing. So, you know, EPL has a pure 38 um, rounds uh, season, which is 20 teams. Everyone plays everyone home and away. Basketball, I think it's you play everyone home and away um, and then you play everyone from your conference another time. So, like, all the East Coast teams play each other three times and West Coast three times. Um, and that's the way their draws work. Unfortunately, AFL, we're left with this kind of half system where we play everyone once and then in an effort to make it even, the AFL goes off last year's results and said, well, you were in the top six, so you can play all the hard teams again and, and you're in the middle six, so you can play all those guys again and you're in the bottom six and you can play all those guys again in an effort to try and, I guess, even out the wins um, and see competition all the way through the 22 round season um that's why they do it and you know last year we saw you know the race was still open with three weeks to go um you know there's still i think uh, i think it was 12 teams in contention with three weeks to go um and realistically it was only kind of sorted out in the last week which is what the afl wants And, and and it works it keeps everyone excited and it gives teams moving up the ladder like the lions and stuff a lot of reason for excitement this year they with their draw they could genuinely make the finals um, I guess the concern is is when they go into finals and if they come up against a, a rampaging um, Collingwood or something who have had a really tough draw this year, they get absolutely spanked in the first week of finals. So that's the concern. Yeah, and I mean as Sean sort of pointed out, so the, the top six teams are supposed to play more top six teams and the bottom six teams are more bottom six teams. There is sort of a, um, a weighted rule for how it all works, which is that the top six if you finish top six, you'll play a minimum of two and a maximum of three top six teams twice. So it's not that you should play all of the top six teams another five times, which would be uh, a even more generous way of trying to make sure that at the end of the la- at the end of the year everything was as close to even as possible. Uh, but it sort of sets up a um, a way of actually yeah, sort of balancing it so that you can still have some some breathing room. And I think that the breathing room is required because the AFL likes to have um, marquee-style games. Like, I mean, the Anzac Day and the Queen's Birthday. So the rules, I mean, top six could play the middle six a minimum of once and a maximum of twice and bottom six a minimum of zero times and a maximum of one. Yeah. So I think when we say this, we're talking about, you know, the... The maximum meetings are against anyone who finishes. So there's, you know, five other teams. And the way it works is that if, if you go look at anyone who finished inside the top six last year, um, you'll see that they'll have three games against, three double games against um, top six teams generally. There might be one or two who've gotten off a bit lighter. Um, they'll probably have, you know, two games against the middle tier. And some will have a double game against the bottom six. Like I think you'll like Collingwood will probably pay the, the Carlton twice. Yeah. Just because they're two hugely supported clubs. Um, but most likely, you know, clubs like Melbourne and GWS and and West Coast even like uh, no Fremantle will finish low. So the Derby they'll yep, do double, double Derby. Double derby. But yep. but like some of the clubs that aren't as heavily supported, 
and don't have those traditional rivalries will likely probably not have a return meeting against the bottom six. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's sort of, it's not as fair um, on the clubs that, I guess the hardest clubs done by are the Victorian clubs that aren't big Victorian clubs, so North Melbourne, Western Bulldogs, pretty much just get... St Kilda. St Kilda. Melbourne to a lesser degree, because Melbourne still have the Queen's Birthday game, um, they now have Anzac Day Eve, Mm -hmm. which means that you have games that are locked into the schedule before anything else moves. Just so happens that those two teams finished second and third last year. Yeah, not convenient <laughs> for you. Um, but it, it is, you will probably get a double against Collingwood um, as part of the schedule. So it's the the lower supporter base um, teams in Victoria that sort of get just shoved into whichever uh, draw slot fits best for the AFL. Um, and that's just Unfortunately, the the way it has to be, given that you need to play all of the interstate teams against each other twice, both to maximise crowds and minimise travel. Mm. Um, so it it does work um, as best as it possibly can. Look, um, yeah, I think that's probably worth acknowledging. The system they've got at the moment does ensure that the um, the competition remains uh, lively right up until you know kind of round twenty um, most years. So, I mean, it, it, the AFL has done the best with the system they've got, but, you know, I guess out of this we're kind of talking, like, do we need to uh, look at a new new system? And we'll, and we'll touch on that later, but... Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, just because it works reasonably okay doesn't mean you can't make it better or can't improve it or, or rock the boat a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so when we look at that, uh, the top six, the middle six, the bottom six, realistically the bottom six should have the easiest draws and the top six the hardest. Mm-hmm. The only um, kink to that is that you can't play yourself. So generally mm-hmm. generally the best team in the competition um, well, for Richmond, I mean, that's been Richmond for probably the last two years. Um, yeah. you can't, you, Richmond can't play Richmond, so that automatically rules out playing the hardest team um, once or twice, uh, which means that their draw is always going to be, or, or not always, but is majority of the time going to be easier. So it does end up meaning that the team that finishes probably around between like 4th, 5th and 6th have end up having some of the harder draws because they're prioritised to play more teams in the top 6, but they themselves are the weaker teams in the top 6, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, so that sort of aligns with what we've seen um, this year. So that some of the tougher schedules are GWS's, Hawthorns and Melbourne's who finish 6th, 5th and 4th respectively. Um, and the other few teams uh, that have a hard draw are West Coast Collingwood, who finished first and second, uh, but also the unlucky teams really being North Melbourne and Fremantle. North Melbourne finishing ninth and Fremantle fourteenth. Who but Fremantle's driven by what we were talking about with the with the derby, so yep. they get a double meeting against um, West Coast against the Premier. Who, yeah. So that's why they get driven into the top. So if they weren't a West Australian club, they they you know. This is that's the the kind of yeah the kink in the system yeah exactly and it was like they also have to travel a lot um, which which accounts which builds into the difficulty of their schedule um, if you have difficult away games I mean difficult home games that's probably the worst thing for Fremantle is that, that when they play a club like yeah Richmond Melbourne Collingwood at home they're expected to lose um, really they want to have home games that they can win. 
Yeah. Uh, so that that gives them the best chance of finishing high on the ladder rather than travelling against the easy teams, which they still are prone to losing. I think they mm. lost to Gold Coast in round two. Yeah. Um, so then the next next lot uh, is Richmond, Carlton, Essendon, and Sydney. They all have a slightly harder schedule than they probably should. But and again, Carlton's driven by the traditional rivalry, so they'll probably play. I haven't looked, but it's the same with let's Essendon. Say yeah. Essendon, they play twice. They'll play. Um, the Pies probably twice. Yeah, they play Richmond probably twice. Yeah. And it's the same with Essendon, who play Collingwood twice, Richmond twice, Carlton's Carlton bottom team. But yeah. they play the other two who have finished high up on the ladder twice. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the So just touching back on... So with these ratings, these are driven out of the, the champion data um, ratings. Of it's, the, a, it's a couple of different rating systems, actually. So yeah. there's a there's a couple of really good online... Um, Online people that uh, and people that look at data that actually rate the draw based on a whole lot of different um, things, and, okay. and this is incorporating probably more of them than the champion data schedule because this takes more into account the the difficulty associated with travel um, and your actual expected wins in a travel in a difficult to play in location. Yeah. So, for example, playing West Coast in West Coast is hard. Like the, that's as hard as it gets. Um, playing Geelong in Geelong is difficult, not as hard as it's playing travelling to Perth to play West Coast in West Coast. Yeah. So it ranks ground difficulty and draw difficulty against each other, um, which is why it's interesting this year that the easiest schedules go to um, Adelaide and Port Adelaide because they're... And Brisbane. And Brisbane. Um, but Adelaide and Port Adelaide are in the same state. They both finished lower down the ladder last yeah. year which means they both play each other multiple times and don't travel and Brisbane uh, have an easier schedule because they finished in the bottom six which means they, they get the benefit but they, they also Gold play Coast Gold Coast, Coast multiple times um, and they Carlton a few and they have a friendly travel draw um, yeah. so and, and East Coast travel is different to travelling from the West as well yeah so I mean look like yeah it's, it's an interesting um kind of thing when you try and take into all the factors that we've just spoken about you realise how difficult it is with a draw so uh, yeah I mean it's an imperfect system that we've tried to iron out kinks with but you know in that effort we're probably going to see from last year's top six we'll probably see two not finishing the top six because of this yeah so you know and then I guess yeah so I'll say one more thing uh, before we move on to some of the other flaws with the existing draw structure um, this sort of schedule rating uh, last year ended up. Uh, I mean, this is a pre-season draft, uh, pre-season draw rating. But we all know that once the season starts, teams aren't the same as they were the previous year. Yeah. So it ended up last year that St Kilda and Sydney, who were the two of the teams that slid down the ladder a little bit last year, um, St Kilda definitely ended up having harder draws than was originally projected. So they would have had double games against. West Coast, double games against Collingwood, double games against Melbourne. Teams that previously they might have been expected to be competitive or beat, but last year they got like they were really strong teams. So, um, yeah, on the flip side of that, North Melbourne, West Coast and Melbourne had easier draws. Um, so that's, I mean, it's a bit of a sign. North Melbourne overperformed last year as far as what we expect on the ladder. Yep. The D's made finals for the first time ever which is great but they also first time in 
10 years. Ever. No, first this time is, in no, come on. living memory. Um, no, it's all right. I can't, I can't remember the Pies winning a premiership, so never happened. You must have been pretty drunk, mate. I was. Only eight <laughs> years ago. Um, and West Coast. Now, they obviously ended up being the, the flag winners, but it's just interesting that the, uh, the draw can end up... A draw set, set out like this can end up working out disproportionately in favour of some clubs and against others. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, naturally you're going to see movement no matter what because clubs are climbing or dropping or holding however they're going to go. So you're naturally going to see some movement in it. But to see, I guess, St Kilda the year before finished 10th, I think. And, yeah. um, you know, they were uh, in that middle band. So in that middle band, they got more games against the teams around them. So Melbourne was ninth that year. So it was, you know, we played each other twice last year. And obviously last year we jumped up into finals and they slipped down lower. So all of a sudden their three um, games against equivalent opposition yeah. were harder because they were no longer in that category. They were in the... The next one down. So yeah. naturally, we're going to see that from teams sliding and rising. It's just a, it's interesting to reflect on teams like that for St Kilda that they had a harder draw last year because we obviously know that they had other issues like lack of leadership. Um, That's and, what happens when you let ruin. Yeah, Joey go. I mean, we've spoken about this a lot. We've spoken about it a lot, but I mean, it's easy to pin it on one thing, but generally, when you but, see something as dramatic as what happened last year with St Kilda's fall. But you it's can't, lots have, of things happening at the same time. Yeah. The AFL can't adjust their draw to suit your shit list decisions. No. So, like, um, I look I look at St Kilda, like, yes, we're saying that at the end of the season it got significantly harder, but I would say that St Kilda's fixture was right at the start of last year. If you ask anyone at that footy club where they saw themselves, they saw themselves in that middle band pushing into finals, and, and therefore... That, that draw was fine for them. Yeah, so, yeah you, you're right. Um, and I mean, we can touch on, as I said, we'll touch later on how we can fix things. But um, there's a few more things, uh, things that I think at the moment are issues with the way that the draw set out, things that could be fixed based on the existing structure that aren't looked at carefully enough. I'm sure that they looked at, I'm sure that it's, the AFL spent heaps of hours on these things, but... But they, they still they, end up with they crazy don't, things. They don't, they don't end up making sense when you have this... Um, so we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. This episode will probably be released the, on Monday. So these games will be uh, about to be played. When you're optimizing a draw, you should first of all try to optimize around abnormalities. So things like Anzac Day and Anzac Day Eve games where you have a Wednesday game and when you look at how many days break teams get before and after, you can see that the lowest amount that you can have during the entire year is four-day breaks. Mm. And Richmond and Melbourne, who are both playing on the Anzac Day Eve game, both have four-day four breaks this time. Yeah. Collingwood and Essendon, who are playing Anzac Day, have a six- and a seven-day break. Now, this is the, the, the quick one for me, and this was pretty easy to spot, is that Collingwood could have played Richmond this round instead of round two, and Essendon could have played Melbourne this round instead of round three. Yep. And then both Richmond and Melbourne would have had five and six day breaks. So that fixes the only four day breaks in the entire draw just by switching around two games that have already been played. So to get to get those to get the five day break, they would have to play on a Friday. They would have to play on a Friday, yeah, or a Thursday night. It's so, a six day break. So the thing so this week you've got 
So, and this is where like these marquee game things are just like insane. So, they've given Essendon, who already have Anzac Day, um, they've now given Essendon Good Friday. Yep. So Essendon's playing North on Good Friday. So this is why this is why your logic wouldn't have been picked up because they've gone, oh, we're going to put Essendon in on Good Friday. So that means Essendon's playing North Melbourne on Good Friday, which means that you know all of a sudden Melbourne and Essendon can't play. Yep. Um, and then the Richmond-Collingwood side of things, I mean, there's no reason why that couldn't have been Thursday because I think Collingwood's probably playing Thursday night to get the seven-day break. Yep. Um, or no, sorry, they're playing Saturday to get a six-day test and they have the seven. But anyway, it's irrelevant. You could. Why wouldn't you just say, all right, Essendon, you're not going to be a part of Good Friday this year because Good Friday and, and Anzac Day don't butt up against each other like this every year. Yeah. So Essendon, you're not going to be a part of it. Exactly. We're going to pick... Richmond uh, and Melbourne. Yeah. Rich, Richmond and Melbourne would be the two clubs that would play on um, that day. So you would have Richmond and Melbourne have to play Thursday, either two Thursday night games or yeah. Thursday a, and Friday this week. Do a week. Thursday night doubleheader because you got a, you got a doubleheader on the Good Friday anyway. Yeah. Drop the drop the second game. Richmond, um, Richmond, Collingwood, Melbourne, Essendon. Yeah. On Thursday. So all the teams that then, are, exactly all the teams that are playing in Anzac Day or Anzac Day Eve have a minimum six day break. Then get Hawthorne and North Melbourne, pump it up as the replay of the eighties. Yeah. Um, or whatever, and and that's your that's your Good Friday game there. Or yep. give it to the Bulldogs who bloody pioneered it, or the Saints, or you know, like I don't know why it's been you know hijacked back to the big clubs again when the it's a, yeah, it's anyway, it's just, just so the the stupid the stupidest thing for me is that if you're just looking at it and you see that there's two four day breaks, mm. all you would have to do is switch Melbourne and Richmond with Collingwood and Essendon, and it would be fixed for everyone. So just go okay. Then well, this is an obvious mistake in the draw, and the minimum day break you have now is five. It's just get it to the Thursday night. It's simple. Yeah, exactly. just put them all on Thursday night. Yeah. So um, there, there's there's one problem. So the four day break already is something that you could solve pretty easily just with some manual manipulation of the draw. Um, for another one, which has been I reckon a bugbear of every single person that has followed football since the most recent buy structure has come in where there's been uh, three rounds of buys. Obviously, that changed a little bit for China, but in general, there has been three rounds of buys that have been chosen generally between rounds 12 and 14. Um, that could vary a couple of weeks forward or a couple of weeks back um, in, in each year. I think it was as early as week nine um, and as late as potentially week 13 or 14 for the first round of the buys. But in order for competitive fairness and balance, in the weeks leading up to and the weeks leading out of your buy, you should be playing teams that share the exact same buy around with you. It is insane that this year there are 14 games. 14 games are probably a possible... uh, How many games are there each round during the buys? Six. Six. um, So you've got three rounds of buys, so you're looking at... You know, 18 games. 18 games. Games. So there's potentially, I think there's 18 games um, total and they've managed to make 14 of them against uh, where you're either advantaged or disadvantaged. I'm not actually sure which... um, It probably varies based on the team. I think if Geelong have a bye, they seem to lose every single year after a bye because their guys all just go away and go surfing and stop focusing on football and... um, I mean, it's good for them to get a break, but... I think think every side gen 
generally struggles off a bye. It's only if you've if you've got significant injuries. But it would where, be it would be fair like you wouldn't you wouldn't have an excuse for struggling off a bye if you're playing another team that's just had the bye. And that's it. So yeah, you're right. You're all you know having the bye and da 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 creates you know this. Uh, I don't know whether it's real or perceived, but a disadvantage advantage situation. Um, generally speaking, you know, like if you look at the way the betting odds go, the the team that hasn't had the buy often will be shorter than you would expect against the team coming off the buy. Um, yeah, they're generally battle like battle hardened. They don't, don't really yeah. have a worry. I mean, I, look, not condoning gambling, but you look where people put their money. Yeah. Um, as a as a bit of a guide to um, what statisticians and markets are thinking and that's really what you know that kind of says to me is that teams coming generally off a buy are going to struggle against teams who haven't so what you're saying makes complete sense why don't you just either side of the buy they have to play one of the other five teams in their buy round yep and you, you just like even if you make it between after the buy you play two two to three rounds of playing teams within your buy to make sure that there's no crossover um, of playing a team that's just coming off their buy or that's one week off their buy and you're three weeks off your buy, like make it a bit fairer to stretch that period out. It wouldn't be that hard. And if you've got all these marquee games earlier in the year that you need to maintain, then you just cluster the teams that have those marquee games in the same buy anyway to allow for that later down the track. Yeah. There's one more thing that I think that they should optimize around. So, so far, that's Anzac Day. So, that's a big abnormality, the it's buys. Not just, it's not just Anzac Any of those marquee games. So, next yeah. year, it'll be Easter. Good Friday, yeah. Easter Monday will have its own difficulty. You'll have Anzac Day. And on top of that, you'll also have uh, Queen's Birthday again as well. Yeah. So, optimize around the abnormalities. Um, the other one is uh, cumulative fatigue. So, this is a measure of uh, days break in consecutive weeks. Uh, so, look at it, looking at opportunities where I mean, some of the, I think the worst ones that aren't around the buys are where three days extra advantage is given to one team. So, for example, in round four, Collingwood had a six-day break and a nine-day break. Western Bulldogs had a five-day break and a seven-day break. So that's a three extra day advantage to recover from the same amount of games and to get up for the Friday night. And obviously, we know that Collingwood got up over the Western Bulldogs in the final quarter. Um, so there is some um, some lens to be able to say that potentially Collingwood did have fresher legs because they've yeah. just got additional days to recover. Um, some of the other ones that we'll see, I mean, you guys will see, and will be interesting to know what the results of these ones are because they're in round five, uh, is Adelaide at the moment are coming off an eight and a nine-day break and playing the Suns off two seven-day breaks. Uh, and this one probably lesser to a lesser extent because both teams are having quite long breaks, but the Hawks have an eight and seven day break and the Cats have two nine day breaks. So mm-hmm. how the Cats can have two nine day breaks at this early stage in the year is beyond me. Uh, but after those old legs. Yeah. Um, and the worst and most extreme examples are all during the buys because these are during uh, periods where teams have uh, early game in the round and then a buy the week after. Yeah. So there's a game uh, in round 15 of the buyers where Richmond have a 17-day break and a six-day break. So they've got 17 days off between games, which is insane. And they're playing the Saints off an eight and a seven-day break. Yeah. Um, 
So I think that, that that's one that could potentially backfire because the Saints have got like eight and seven day breaks. That means that they haven't had their they they had their buy in the first week and they're playing a team that's had their buy in the last week, yeah. uh, just fresh off it. So the Saints will be back up and running by then. It's one of those ones where I might look into the future. Dan put, Hannibury might be running around by then. Might be running around, but I was actually going to say I might put my tip in now so I don't forget this uh, <laughs> for for the Saints in round fifteen to to see that they get up. Um, but, I mean, there are other ones. That are probably the worst example, um, not the most extreme example, but the worst example is in round 13 that the Dogs have a 13-day break and an 8-day break, and they're playing the Blues off a 7-day break and a 6-day break. Which yeah. means, so that's less than your two 7-day breaks, which is your standard. Um, so they're going to have 13 days. Uh, they'll have two games, and the Dogs will have 13 days with no games. Yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that... I think that the AFL does a good job because, as I said, I don't think that the draw is too far out of whack. I just think that when... I'm sure it's optimised uh, automatically. Like, this, surely machine learning is put into uh, a <laughs> yeah. place where you just run simulations to get the best results um, with certain conditions. But after you've finished the draw, you should be looking for outliers like 17-day breaks... Can you change that by making Richmond have a Sunday or Monday game during the buys rather than a Friday or Thursday game during the buys? Yeah. Can you change the two nine-day breaks consecutively by adjusting one of the teams they play? Can you fix the four-day breaks um, just by moving two teams around? Because you might find that you have I mean, look, it's, it's a lot fairer draw. It's all driven, like, all these big anomalies are primarily driven through the TV schedule or corporate dollar. Um I mean, in an ideal world, the AFL would very easily just say, okay, yep, you're going to have a seven-day break, you're going to do this. And, but then you've got to sit there and go, well, do we want Gold Coast Carlton on a Friday night or do we want Richmond Collingwood on a Friday night? Um, do we want um, on the Sunday afternoon game, do we really want to be putting Collingwood playing Sunday afternoon in a, mark, in a non-marquee slot? Like A lot of this stuff is driven through that... Um, I guess the the TV rights deal, um, yeah. and I think Channel Seven do have some some input into this, and this is where juggling the fixture is just so difficult because you've got so many stakeholders. You know, you got to your players, which are your product. You have got to manage their fatigue, so you're trying to get this many days. You you then you know they've got the buy rounds. You're then trying to manage with Channel Seven and and Fox Footy what they get, and then you're trying to manage, um, you know, on top of that, clubs, the transport how many games at this stadium, how many games at that stadium, have you had your home and away, have you, you know, it just, it, it's insane the amount of inputs they need to do, um, but um, they just, I mean, I guess, they, they do a good job, and, and overall, it's just, there's some things that you'd like to see, just a little bit of common sense applied going, ah, oh, that doesn't quite work, so... I mean, look, the example, probably the worst one is this Richmond-Melbourne four-day break. And what we're going to see at selection um, is both Melbourne and Richmond taking a longer-term view um, and planning, say, like a a 28-man squad around the two games. Yeah. So where they might bring in Jack Rewalt this week or they might bring in Hooley this week, they're not going to turn around and play him in four days. So then you're forcing a club to make a decision, which game's the bigger one? Like, How do I win both games? Well, uh, you know, I'm playing, I don't know who Richmond's playing, but they're playing two strong teams. 
Yeah. Rich, Richmond's playing Sydney and Melbourne's playing St Kilda. And I think that we've already seen that um, Melbourne have, or it's been suggested that Proust might be rested this week. Which makes sense. Which makes sense because they're playing St Kilda, who Gorn can beat just by himself. Yeah. Uh, and he can come back against the Richmond game, which you want to really smash Toby Nankervis and whoever yeah. their second ruck is yeah, and yeah. take the advantage there. Um, and, that, and that's really the, you know, you know that's their decisions the clubs are going to make now because you force them into this situation. Whereas if you're talking like a six-day break, Proust probably plays both. Yeah. Um, I think that's just general. And, and this is the other thing, like with sports science involved now, clubs really do monitor uh, training loads and game loads through the GPS data. So when a, a player has had a high load game, um, you will see their training modified, but a four-day break doesn't effectively give them enough time to modify his training to ensure that they're ready to go. So, so I mean... Effectively just rest and then captain's run. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was rest and warm-up. Yeah? yeah. Like, you won't... You, you pretty much, you know, the day after you do your recovery, you know, ice baths, maybe a little bit of a gym session, you know, probably focusing on some legs, cardio, that sort of stuff to get out the lactic acid. Oh, I've got a little bit of a niggle in my foot. I oh, will just, we'll take this one day off. Oh, it's the day before the game. I better do something. So uh, we'll give him, you know, uh, you know, give him a small gym session and a, and a light kick on captain's run, whatever you want. And then, you know, you're back playing the next day and you've had y- your condition over the four days has you know, just effectively, you're at the same level you were when you finish the game. When you finish the game, yeah. you're not, you're not, you haven't had a chance to recycle the legs and yep. get a bit of, you know, um, a bit of blood flow through them and recover those injuries. And it just, it's just so hard for for the players in a four day break and and the sports team, the management team of the players' fitness, to keep them in a in a good spot so they can respond. AFL just doesn't work that way. So, I mean. Paddy Dangerfield's floated it before, shorten the game, and you can have four-day breaks. Um, but we don't shorten it. Most games run 120 minutes. Yeah. Um, and if it runs for 120 minutes, and on average AFL players run 14 kilometres at quite high intensity for a fair bit of it, um, combined with the, the physicality side of it, the bumps, the tackles, the stop, the start, the... You know, marking attempts, the jumping, the repeat efforts, all this sort of stuff that just is cumulative load that ends up with a player getting injured when you have breaks this short. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I agree, mate. It's, it's, <laughs> it's my biggest it's my biggest bugbear with this um, with the draw at the moment. It's just anomalies, uh, so and you're always going to have anomalies, but you should plan around them. Um, but the four the, like the four day like I'm only I'm focusing on this four day break where. And there's, Melbourne, a, and, there's, Melbourne's involved. Yeah, and Melbourne, and there's a five-day break for the Bulldogs, so that's just not good enough either. Yeah, what, yeah, what's, that, yeah, yeah. You should literally be able to go through and go, you know, if a club's got an eight- or a nine-day break, you go, yeah, whatever. But when a club's got a five-day or a four-day break, you should be going, how can we eliminate these? Like, it's elimination of risk. Well, the, if, you're, if you're working on a job site, the, yeah. they turn around and tell you, how do I eliminate... First step, how do you eliminate the risks? Yeah. Can I can I eliminate? Can I do something alternative? Well, can that, I do yeah. something different? From, from everything that I've seen, you if you're going to have nine-day breaks at some stages, which you will have, you can't not have five-day breaks because it just so, doesn't work yeah. like that. But I mean, if it's eight and six... No, six even, even if it's five, they should have had a nine-day break before that. As yeah. in, 
Because the fact that Collingwood's going six and nine versus five and seven is too big a discrepancy. And if Collingwood were six and seven and they were five and nine, sure, they're only on a five-day break, but their cumulative load across those two weeks, they've had the chance to build a bit of extra rest into their bodies. Mm. So it's only that one week where they have that harder stint and then they'll be back into that more restful phase. Well, again, if you're the sports scientist, the week of six, you, you're down to one training session and a captain's run and yeah. all that. But then the week of nine, I'm getting three in there. Yeah. You know, because I know that the load here, I've dropped you here, I've got you through, you've made it through. Now we're going to increase that load in preparedness for the for the next side. Yeah. So, I mean... We, 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 we can talk about this forever and we're going to continue talking about um, the draw, but we're going to uh, talk about it potentially in a separate episode just because we're going to be talking about a separate topic, really. Um, so... Do tune in um, to the next episode, which is going to be a follow-on from this. It's going to be talking about alternative draws and how they could work. Yep, sounds good. Look forward to talking to you then, guys. Thanks. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. No one anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.